radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Uh, today I have a guest with me. You probably have heard before, actually, on Agile FM, second time. Jurian uh, Kamor uh, from the Netherlands, and uh, he has delivered amazing uh, talks at Agile Amsterdam. Uh, and one of the talks was Formula One, Formula X, and uh, we want to. Uh, and he wrote a book about this too. So the title. Um, of the book is Formula X and how to reach extreme acceleration in your organization. And that book was uh, co-authored with uh, Winnie van Solingen. So uh, welcome to the podcast again. Thank you. Glad to be back. Jurian, uh, this is an uh, amazing news, right? So just about two months ago, we were recording in March 2020. uh, Two months ago, the book was released um, to the public, uh, Formula X. Uh, obviously, there's a lot about acceleration. Formula One, everybody has a picture. High speed, high speed uh, um, uh, race cars. And um, mm-hmm. we want to talk a little bit about how this all relates to Agile. What can we learn from Formula One? Oh, there's a lot of things we can learn from Formula One. Um, for me, Formula One motor racing um, is an example of a, of a high speed culture where everything is aimed towards uh, a high level of innovation, fast-paced innovation, uh, lots of testing and learning, um, and obviously the fastest car uh, wins the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think about Agile and some of the patterns we see in Agile, you see, see a lot of those things in a Formula One racing culture too. Mm-hmm. In your presentation, actually, I remembered one video, and I don't know if you want to talk about the video because I don't want to, you know, steal that moment of um, of that presentation. But there was this one video, obviously, about the tire changes uh, yeah. between I don't know that was like 1950s maybe to 2000 yeah. something, right? There's something remarkable going on, and maybe you want to connect these these dots of the video. And, and obviously, you can give a this is only audio here. This is a, a podcast, right? Maybe you put a yeah. little bit of picture in front of people. Yeah, sure. So um, the, that, that, that video is about the evolution of pit stops. Um, in the 1950s, when Formula One started, an average pit stop was roughly, roughly 60 to 70 seconds. And um, uh, they were changing the tires with, uh, with, with only uh, four people working mm-hmm. on the car simultaneously. And then, the, and then the second bit of the video is um, uh, a modern day uh, pit stop. Mm-hmm. where uh, about 22 people simultaneously change uh, four tires in uh, less than two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's an example of a huge amount of innovation in, in, in process, in uh, way of working, but also in vision. And for me, the main takeaway for that is uh, the question of which of the two is more efficient and which of the two is more effective. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so in, a, in the case of uh, changing a pit stop um, with only two people or four people, um, it's very efficient because everybody is 100% utilized. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody is 100% utilized during the pit stop. And during the race, there's only four people that are doing nothing. Well, obviously, if you're doing a pit stop with 22 people, uh, you'll have 22 people doing nothing during the race. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not super efficient, but it is obviously very, very effective. Yeah. I see this paradigm shift in organizations very often where we, we're too much focused on efficiency where actually we are forgetting that we're trying to create something or do a way of working that is effective. Yeah. So even like, uh, you know, just like as a, as a funny comment here, right? So even in the 1950s video, 
uh, we didn't see the driver get out of the car and changing the tire. So right. at least they had an, an approach for like, hey, it's not a good idea for the driver to get out and, and do, does this himself. So there was a team-based approach. But then yeah. the, the times off the pit stop got reduced significantly um, to something seconds at this point, right? It's like, it's yeah. like unbelievable, right? Now, when, when people are talking about acceleration, extreme speed, uh, some might say, well, isn't quality being uh, sacrificed? And I think, I think we can say that because we're, we're not hearing a lot of race cars coming off the pit stop without tires uh, at all. Yeah. Right? So there is some form of quality. How, did, how do these two things relate and why, why are some companies possibly uh, you know, nervous about going too fast because of sacrifice yeah. quality, right? Yeah, so that is, um, uh, it sounds like a zero-sum game. And I think this is the big premise, actually, of the book, where, where um, you know, it, it often feels like you have to make an ultimate choice. It's either quality or speed. But actually, Formula One proves that it that is not necessary, necessary to, cho mm -hmm. to choose between the two. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you, you can do a lot of things to create consistency in quality and speed. Um, and a lot of a lot of the things that that Formula One teams do that actually are applicable in the real world too, are about learning, are, are about creating a, a deliberate focus on 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 how we're going to learn, when to reflect, debriefing after every event, and mm -hmm. basically improving our ability to make high quality and high speed decisions every time. Mm -hmm. um, and that level of preparation is is what is needed in Formula One at least to succeed. And uh, I see, you know, the most, some of the most agile companies in the world, they have very similar practices, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, in, in Scrum, you do retrospective after each sprint. Um, uh, but here we're talking about 50 mini retrospectives over the course of, of three days, uh, right. a race weekend. Yeah. When we're looking at the situation of, uh, maybe we're tying it now to organizations, but the pit stop situation itself, there is, there's, mm -hmm. there's no command and control kind of, uh, manager no, true. telling people what to do right um, yeah. and uh, and it goes also back to the 1950s I think common sense even there applied like we need to empower people to do yeah. these things now what is how does that relate to organizations today like there is obviously no manager on site you have visited these companies um, are there yeah. what kind of leadership structure are in place in organizations like this yeah, so um, that's a really good point because not only in the pit stops, but also in the um, during the, the the race and the whole mechanical and engineering crew, um, there are very clear roles and responsibilities. There is actually no time in a Formula One uh, weekend to 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 kind of sit down with thirty people on a meeting and have a have a you know have a conversation about how we're going to approach this problem. I mean, you can see it even more clearly when the car comes into the pit box. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just full silence and everybody, everybody just does their job because they know what their roles are. Uh, you don't need someone centrally to command and control that. That's just simply too slow. Yeah. Um, and I think you sh you're seeing the same shift in organizations where, uh, where although there is often clear leadership and there are clear lines of responsibility, uh, you want to create uh, uh, teams and roles where, where people can self-direct and, and just do their job without needing any interference uh, mm -hmm. from someone else. Um, and you know, and that's also if you look at the the, the some of the the, the quotes uh, and some of the interviews I did at, at one of the Formula One racing factories, mm -hmm. uh, is that the leaders basically say, "Well, we hired really smart people to do the job, uh, and we don't necessarily know how to do their job. So who are right. we to tell them what to do?" Yeah. Right. Um, the big the big shift you see in Formula One teams, but also in most agile organizations, is that they create a lot of um, clarity and information. 
mm -hmm. uh, across the organization so that teams autonomously can decide how that impacts them and how, on the work they need to do. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So even the, uh, because I, I just want to see, because you have seen these things in action, right? And obviously I've done a ton of research on, on, on this topic. Um, are these people who are actually taking the tires off and on, uh, are these, are they part of the process of improving uh, the process of the pit stop? Is this, is this yeah. like totally in a collaborative effort? It's like, is, are these empowered teams? Could they drastically, radically change the way of a pit stop if they wanted to? Well, yes, they have. Um, they, so first of all, they do about 2000 practice runs per year. Mm -hmm. um, so, so there's outside of the race weekend, there's, there's practice uh, 50 times in the morning, 50 times in the evening, every day of the, every day of the week. Um, because only with this discipline and practice, you'll get mastery. Yeah. Um, and every pit stop is evaluated. There's, um, there is one person responsible for the learning process. So they'll, uh, they'll analyze um, video footage. They'll, um, they'll do small nudges and improvements. They have physios. They even have choreographers mm. helping them with the movement of 22 people in sync, in sync mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy, right? But I think the, 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 another interesting part of the pit stop crew is that these people are not f hired full time just to do pit stops. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, you won't see a job posting somewhere like I want to have a full-time pit stop uh, engineer mm -hmm. and right. by the way you're only need, you only you only need to work about two seconds on Sunday every <laughs> week right <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense so the people the people in this pit crew uh, all have it's a role they take on and mm -hmm. they have roles on other teams too so one of the so one of the, one person could be responsible for uh, for driving the trucks uh, back and forth between the airport and the racetrack uh, before mm -hmm. and after the weekend. And then on Sunday and then during the rest of the weekend, you'll be responsible for replacing the, the front right mm -hmm. wheel, for example. And, and that's the case for all the people. Yeah. And I think you see the same thing happening in agile organizations where we let go of this idea that one function title defines everything you do. Right. Instead, people are actually capable, humans are capable to hold uh, uh, multiple roles in multiple different teams uh, with multiple levels of intensity. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that if you let people self-direct and self-select what they want to bring to the organization, uh, they are capable of figuring out what's the best way to provide value mm -hmm. um, instead of having a fixed uh, HR managed uh, um, function house right. uh, with, with career paths. I think that's just a, um, a complicated solution to a complex problem and you're not leveraging the full human potential in the organization. That's right, right. So the, so, so how does this organization, and maybe we're tying this now to organizations and, you know, we're talking about accelerations and we're talking mm. about speed and we're talking about, you know, Formula One and et cetera, right? Let's take the pit stop into the organization, right? What, what the pit stop could look like and the improvement of the pit stop and the changing of the tires within an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, also, how an orgs workshop might be looking like in an organization, um, agile or not, right? You have spoken about, for example, the Spotify model mm -hmm. um, in the past, right? But now I feel like there is a, a connect now. It's like, well, maybe Spotify was tribes, right? Maybe the modern future is about Formula One. Maybe. So, uh, so the tribe model, the, um, uh, which often a lot of people try to copy, unfortunately try to yep. copy uh, on the Spotify side, right? Um, but what could we do as an organization? Like if somebody listens to this right now, it's just like, hmm, I want to try some of those things. What, could, what kind of things could they try within the organization and say, I'll map that book and map that yeah, map yeah. for you describing that kitchen uh, company and uh, yeah. in that book. How, does, how do we map these kind of things to, to an organization? Maybe you have an example or two. Yeah, so um, maybe good to indeed explain 
what the book is and how it's structured because yep. um, it's, it's quite different from a normal business book uh, because it's a fable. It's a leadership fable. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to uh, perhaps somebody, know, some people know the five dysfunctions of a team by Petra mm-hmm. Pensioni or the Phoenix project is another great one. Um, so you'll, you'll read a story, but 80% of the book is um, the story of um, the managing director of a large kitchen manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he will lose his job if he fails to kind of significantly reduce the delivery time of his kitchen to under two weeks. Mm-hmm. So he's, he has a big problem. Um, currently, their kitchens uh, have a lead time of three months, which is actually quite common in the kitchen business if you've mm-hmm. recently bought a kitchen or refurbished one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants to do it in two, under two weeks. So how do you do that? Um, this person will go on a journey. Um, part of that journey is actually implementing a proven framework. Uh, quote-unquote proven uh, mm-hmm. framework, um, which actually creates more coordination and more um, uh, top-down uh, management, uh, but will create like 10 or 15% improvement, mm-hmm. which I think in itself is a problem because if you have a, a new framework that creates 10% improvement for most managers and leaders, that's actually very good. Very good. Yes. Not used to that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, there's a potential of like um, uh, much more improvement. So mm-hmm. he'll continue on his quest and... Um, then um, he'll, he'll be able to, to look behind the scenes of a Formula One team mm-hmm. uh, and, and get some pro tips from, from there. And he try, starts to apply those lessons in his organization. And a lot of the things he is actually doing is uh, introducing this rhythm of continuous participatory change, mm-hmm. where uh, he is continuously in conversation with the people that are doing the job and asking them and challenging them to think about ways to, to, to make it faster, to, mm-hmm. to, to uh, to make decisions faster, to um, to reduce waste, uh, to simplify the organizational structure, to reduce handovers. So mm-hmm. there's lots of lean thinking in there too. Sure. Um, and over time, um, the organization evolves into a model that works for this specific process and specific mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it, they are not necessarily implementing the formula Formula One work structure right. one-on-one because it's a very different problem, very different context. Right, I right. think that was what you were talking about too with Spotify. Um, I, I wrote an article and the previous episode of this podcast actually where I was mm-hmm. featured actually had a lot of talk about that where um, the article I wrote, like how to build your own Spotify model um, is, is still one of the best viewed articles in my, on my medium publication mm-hmm. uh, because people are all the, all the time finding, trying to figure out like, how do I do my own version of this? That's right. And I think that's a healthy, a healthy tendency. Like what is the, what is the problem I'm actually trying to solve for my business? And then what are possible practices, possible inspiration for outside that I can use or mm-hmm. reuse in order to create my own model mm-hmm. that works for us. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting point here, like the, the Spotify model, right? not to copy that. I just want to make sure right? yeah. we had, we had uh, lots of interactions with Spotify folks. They said, please don't copy us, you know, mm-hmm. unless you are in the digital music business, don't copy us, right? Um, but, um, but, you know, like, and I think that's the interesting thing. So you see Formula One in your book and you see on the other side, you see a Kitchen, right? It's a very different uh, business model. Yeah. There are, and I think that's why you guys picked that is there is this drastic contrast between these things and obviously you see, Hey, the pattern actually continues, um, of, you know, acceleration and, and pit stop. I think everybody sees the lean thinking yeah. uh, in it as well. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of, sorry to interrupt you there, but actually yeah. what happens in the end, uh, and I don't want to give away the spoiler. Exactly. Of the don't, but, don't. <laughs> no, but I mean, think, think about what is, so just as a thinking experiment. So in this case, a kitchen will be, will be installed 
uh, at a customer as if it's a pit stop. Mm-hmm. Like not in two seconds, but in, but in two weeks or actually in mm-hmm. one week in the end. Um, and it's a very different process than a traditional process where you go from, from sales to, to manufacturing to, uh, to installing to all these different handovers between departments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something everybody can think about uh, as an a- analogy for their own business. Like what if we would install or what if we actually deliver this value to the customer as if it's a pit stop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in my speech, I also have an example of, um, of my car. Uh, I had a, a pretty bad damage on my car. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, somebody bumped into my car and uh, wrecked uh, uh, quite a significant part of my car and it had to be fixed. It took them, uh, it took them three weeks to, to replace some of the, um, some of the uh, body work and, and mm-hmm. paint. But then, you know, if, if, you, if we would have put a camera on the car over the whole period of the three weeks, I don't think there's like three per, one person working on it for three weeks full time. I think like 90% of the time that car is just waiting yeah. for somebody else to work on it. That's right. Um, so imagine it's a pit stop and maybe, maybe I don't need to have, you know, all that body work and stuff fixed in, 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 uh, in two hours, but maybe mm-hmm. it can be two days. Like what would it look like instead? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't 90% of the time. It was probably much, much higher. Right? Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And paint needs to dry. I mean, I'll give you that paint probably will well, take uh, a few hours right. to dry, but still, but still, yeah. Um, we're recording this in March 2020 and we're in the midst of the coronavirus uh, kind of development. Nobody knows the outcome, obviously, yet. Nobody has the crystal ball. But, um, but if somebody listens to this podcast right now and you know, reflects on it and we're talking about fast or acceleration, etc., and maybe somebody listens to this and says, well, um, that's a good thing, acceleration, right? I would love to have my business go and ex- uh, accelerate, mm-hmm. but uh, there are some companies out there that might say like, acceleration is actually not my main concern. Um, it's more about adaptability, like being maybe mm. adaptive. Maybe right now we are in a period where a lot of companies look at how do I adapt to this current situation, right? How, yeah. could, that, how could that book uh, possibly provide some answers and that metaphor that, that you're describing? What's in there for the, for the reader? Yeah, I think, I think, um, so yes, I, I agree with you. Speed is not necessarily the goal. I think part of the book also talks about that actually what you want is you want acceleration mm-hmm. because if you are con- constantly accelerating, then, you know, most problems will go away over time. Mm-hmm. Um, speed is a result of acceleration. Anyway, that's a whole theoretical bit. And my co-author <laughs> is a physics, is a physics <laughs> professor. So that's why that's such a big part yeah. of the book. Yeah. But, um, no, I think, um, the adaptability is definitely part of the, the, the byproduct if you're constantly mm. reevaluating if the way of working is still effective. Um, and especially in, this, in these times, um, I would recommend people not to just copy their old meeting schedule and yes. try to do all that through video. You'll, you'll feel that one, that's not, you'll, you'll feel drained, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, um, and it's really an opportunity to rethink like what interaction moments are actually very valuable and which mm-hmm. of the ones... Uh, are not valuable. I mean, if you're working from home and you have like a few hours of uh, uninterrupted uh, work time, yeah. um, and, th- and I mean, software development teams already know this for years, right? If you just separate meeting time from work time, you'll, you'll have more, more time to actually concentrate and do some deep work. That's right. But I think that's true for most jobs, actually, when it's information-based mm-hmm. and knowledge-based, where if you just look at what is, um, what is a meeting rhythm that actually makes sense for us to mm-hmm. stay aligned and stay have contextual awareness and then what are some roles we can define um, that we hold individually 
that that allow us to make decisions ourselves without needing to inform mm-hmm. the whole team or organize a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think some some of those lessons are in the book too. Like, how do you create an organization that's more focused on uh, on autonomy mm-hmm. uh, and more focused on, on on learning, but have meetings in a very purposeful way? Yeah. So, um, I believe, if if I remember correct correctly, is you visited Red Bull. Uh, Red Bull Racing, yeah. Yeah, Red, Red Bull Racing in the UK, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you observed what was going on there, and uh, obviously there was a. Um, they invited you, and they they gave you insights on on how they operate, right? Which is fantastic for for you guys actually uh, writing on the book, right? And, and uh, verifying the results, etc. Mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So GoSees are very popular in terms of you know agile de- companies looking at other companies. Let's let's just say like one more time Spotify for example, right? We mm-hmm. want to learn, but it's like I don't want to look at a paper. I want to actually see these kind of things. Um, are you are you working with some of your clients on on some of the mapping these kind of things from your book into an actual consulting kind of uh, work where companies are actually looking at you particular, right? Uh, and say like, hey, how do we how do we get you? this some of those things implemented right and then obviously the follow-up question to that would be are there any kind of gozies not going to red bull anymore right skipping mm-hmm. that step utilizing what you have learned from them and basically say can mm-hmm. we go to a company that actually does some of those things in an agile organization can be learned mm-hmm. from uh, from this like a gozi right do you right, have, right yeah well so yes the, i think the whole book is an invitation for for people to start uh, facing their own challenges and difficulties with some outside inspiration. The book provides some of that inspiration. Um, I always see, feel that it's, it's smart to look at other organizations. I think it's even smarter to look at organizations that are in a completely different industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because there's always with those, with those um, uh, go-sees, there's also always the tendency to, to dismiss some of the ideas. Um, but, you know, right, so, oh, yeah, that's fine, but we're a bank, so we cannot do that. That's right. Um, I, I th- so you know, and I think, but I think with with Formula One, it's it's such a different environment. Um, so of course you'll reject it. Of course you won't copy it. So people are more actually receptive for for accepting some of those ideas and trying to translate them in their head because it's so far outside of their yes. uh, similarities. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think the whole book is more an invitation to uh, to start challenging some of those problems yourself mm-hmm. with outside inspiration instead of again, trying to copy another person's model uh, because there's so so much examples out there. Uh, in mm-hmm. all different industries, there's great examples out there and it, you only need to open, uh, uh, for example, Reinvented Organizations or, or Brave New Work, um, yeah. book by Aaron Dignan, full with examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then the question is, how do we apply it and which of them are applicable and which of them aren't? Yeah. Uh, in your book, um, you're describing the faster, right? There is yeah. a, there's a, a little bit of a wordplay here uh, around mm-hmm. the FASA. Um, acronym, yeah. Yeah, this nice acronym here. Do you want to, and I think it relates wonderfully with the topic of the book. And, you know, can you, mm-hmm. just for the readers out there who are curious about that, uh, what it is, what it stands for, and maybe that's how, what we're using to close out our uh, podcast here together. But what's sure, FASA? Sure. Yeah. Faster. So the FASTER model is indeed... Um, uh, six uh, different lessons uh, that you can take away from Formula Formula One, but actually this, those are the six elements of the of the Formula X book. It's described in the last theory chapter, like twenty percent or maybe fifteen percent of the book is. So if you don't like reading business fables, just skip towards the end, and you'll have a short uh, <laughs> description of the model. 
Um, a couple of things we touched upon. So the F stands for focus and clarity, creating a clear and inspiring goal mm-hmm. um, that, that uh, enables everyone to work. I think in Formula One, uh, there is this luxury of having a super clear purpose, mm-hmm. right? Winning races and winning championships and a feedback loop. Every, after every race you, race, you know how good you are. Yeah. Um, that doesn't always exist uh, in the business world, but it can be created. And for mm-hmm. example, Spotify actually has a good framework to create that clarity. Mm-hmm. The A stands for accelerating decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some techniques in there, like how do you can make uh, decisions faster and uh, how can you go from, you know, how do you move from progress, to, mm-hmm. uh, from perfection to progress mm-hmm. uh, is, is one of the ideas there. Nice. The S, the S is, stands for simplification or simplify, mm-hmm. um, trying to reduce um, uh, bureaucracy uh, uh, through some, some interesting steps. Mm-hmm. The T stands for team engagement, where you know, some tips and tricks on how to create engaged teams, what are the necessary ingredients for intrinsic motivation. Um, the E stands for elementary physics. Um, where, um, like I said, my, my co-author is a physics teacher. So that talks about acceleration over speed and the idea of effective, effectiveness instead of efficiency. Right. And the R, we talked a lot about the R, which is one of my favorite parts, is, is the rhythmic learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a cadence of, of interaction moments, a cadence of meetings that are interlocking and are purposeful designed. Yeah. And that's awesome. the faster model. Yeah, awesome. No, I just wanted to give listeners here like a faster acceleration there's a framework and something to hold on to cling on to and and stay focused on on transformational and cultural work um yurian thank you so much for for your time it was a pleasure talking uh, with you about the the book i'm excited about the book and um, i'm excited to see you guys see you in uh in in september in in amsterdam at the agile Mm -hmm. amsterdam conference again and uh, thanks again for sharing some of your thoughts. And uh, I didn't think you gave the spoiler at the end away. So still the reason to buy the book and read the book. Thank for you sure. so much. <laughs> Thank you too. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.